listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Raising Saints, an AM820 production designed for parents who desire to raise the saints in their life. And now, Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt. Hello and welcome to Raising Saints, the show for Catholic parents. I'm your host, Katie Wyatt, and you are listening to AM820 St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Here on Raising Saints, we talk to teenagers about the topics that matter most, and we invite you, parents, to listen in on our conversations. And we hope and pray that in joining us, you'll gain the insight, the wisdom, maybe even the courage you need to have these conversations with your own kids. So on today's episode, we are in the midst of a series on the Beatitudes. Last week, we talked about the fifth beatitude, but we sort of ran out of time. So we're going to do fifth beatitude part two today. Um, the fifth beatitude, as you probably know, is blessed are the merciful for mercy shall be shown to them. And last week we talked about mercy as compassion. This week we're going to talk about another element of mercy. So I want to take a minute to introduce our panel. Why don't you tell us your name and where you go to church? My name is Talia, and I'm a parishioner at St. Catherine's Parish. My name is Kira, and I as well go to St. Catherine's. Well, welcome back to both of you. Um, You both were our experts on the uh, last Mercy episode we did, where we talked about mercy as compassion. And so today I thought we would look at the another facet of mercy, mercy as forgiveness. Um, I guess I wanted to start this conversation by asking whether or not you would say that human beings are instinctually or intrinsically forgiving. Big words. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we aim to impress here on Raising Saints. I would say that human beings in the moment, uh, forgiving is not just the thing you do automatically, not the thing you want to do really, but in that underlying human nature, I think we all search for that piece of the forgiveness. Um, so really, yeah, just that uh, closure and peacefulness that comes from that. So initially, that's not necessarily going to be our response. But when we're mm-hmm. trying to get through a process and get, like, finish a process, so to speak, we you think we ultimately realize, okay, forgiveness is the the missing element here. Right. What'd you say? I agree. I think that... We as humans don't instinctively go straight to forgiveness. Forgiveness, However, I think that we as humans also seek forgiveness when we've done something wrong more than someone is willing to give it. Do you think that plays into why we recognize when we need to forgive? Like the fact that we feel the need to be forgiven helps us recognize that we need to forgive? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. I don't know why it's coming to my head, but it's kind of, I kind of refer it to my mind. The reason we figured out cold, just the absence of heat and just, you know, the absence of right is wrong. And the key to that is forgiveness. So. We can, Yeah, we can recognize what we need based on what we don't have, maybe. Okay, what what are some of the common reasons that it's difficult for us to initially forgive other people, do you think? Pride. Pride. Nope. <laughs> That's That'll a good you. one. <laughs> Every time, in fact, yeah. <laughs> Pride. Okay, so um, I don't know. Can you think of 
any examples in your life where pride has been a, I mean, maybe you don't want to share <laughs> deep, dark examples, examples of, well, really? let me tell you all about my pride. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, hey, let's come back to pride. Let's, what are some other, ex- what are some other reasons that we c- might find it difficult to forgive people? I came up with a good list. I'm uh, totally into lists. I mean, if you really look at the seven deadly sins, uh, pride's a big top one. You got envy. Really, you don't want to, when you like what that person has, you don't want to humble yourself to Mm -hmm. admit that. If you're truly hurt, I would say it's hard to forgive someone. What about anger or vengeance? Absolutely. Um, do you think that we ever have it, it, our need for justice or fairness ever comes into play? Like, if I if I forgive you, then the justice isn't being served. I think that's a lot of the thought process that we usually mm-hmm. go through, and that hinders us from making that first step to forgiveness. Um, but I guess just calling to mind. I mean, if you look at the Lord and his generosity, there's so many different parables about that. Um, Just, it's not necessarily not rewarding the right things. It's just not punishing the wrong things when we forgive, if that makes sense. Do do you think that mercy and justice can coexist? Like... Is there a difference between forgiving someone while at the same time seeking justice or recognizing that justice needs to be served? I think that's what parenting is really all about, to be <laughs> honest. I mean, if we didn't, if parents didn't forgive their children, there would be no relationship there, really. But obviously that discipline needs to take place or that, um, that exchange for bad actions result in consequences. But it's all out of love. I mean, that's the relationships that's there is founded on love. So yes, they can coexist. And that's at every level, right? Not only within our families, but within society, but Mm -hmm. you know, um, let me, let's go back to the anger and vengeance rationale for not being able to forgive. Cause I think, I think this might be very common. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, like we, like from small instances to holding grudges, you know, things that we remember that people did to us when we were in third grade or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> never quite forget to big things like, you know, crimes that are committed, families that are hurt, people that are wounded, that sort of thing. And, and just the need to get back at somebody for, you know. Um, so I didn't know within within this realm, vengeance, anger and vengeance. Are there any things is this motivation at the root of any kind of common teenage behaviors or com- teenage interactions that as far as you've seen? I would say gossip. Um, I think uh, anger, uh, lustfulness, um, what else? greed. I think a lot of those deadly sins are really at the root of that. And I think it really just fuels that fire a lot. Yeah, gossip's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's a that's an easy way to get back at someone who is yeah, and it's such a temptation. <laughs> um, do you think people see mercy as a sign of weakness? 
I think it could be perceived that way, but mm-hmm. I don't agree that that's what it is. I, it's not. It's not. It's also not pity necessarily. Like mercy, I think it involves more of the love aspect, not just like feeling bad for the person. Where, where, do, where would that? Where does that idea come from? That mercy is weakness. I mean, we know that mercy is not weakness. Mercy mm-hmm. is holiness, right, and godliness. But where does it come from that our society sometimes perceives mercy as weakness? I think just a false understanding of what mercy really is, but society really telling us that if we break down, um, you know, our thoughts or falter or not stand up for who we are, quote unquote, then you will lose or something like that. I think that's really shoved down our throats a lot nowadays. I think that's definitely where the falsehood lies. I think also the victimization is encouraged in our culture. Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. you can ever claim to be the victim of something, mm-hmm. go for it. Yeah. What about, um, is a lack of mercy ever motivated by despair? I can't forgive you because I'm so sad about what you did to me. And if you suffer, I'll feel better. You know, I, I think especially the second part of that uh, in every aspect of life, whether it's for me, like academics, athletics, uh, even in the faith sometimes, you know, I think um, we we have this uh, tendency to need to feel like we're higher than others or that the world pushes, if you're not, success, if you're not successful, then you're really nothing, like, in, in terms of that. So when we see others not reaching the same level of, if we're insecure about ourselves and others do badly, that makes us feel better. Yeah, I think um, we, especially as students, are constantly guilty of that um, when there's a, for example, when there's an academically um, gifted person and, you know, you do better on something. You can hear people in the hallway saying, oh, you got a great grade. You did better than so-and-so. And, like, you, they're, like, the line where you know you did good. And you're just constantly kind of <laughs> trying to, like, tear them down, and that's awful. But I know... People are, we are so constantly guilty of that. It's you know what's weird about that, though? Would you want to be that person? That standard. No. no. Because then I wouldn't. You're, that puts so much pressure on yeah. you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> We're it's so awful. weird, aren't we? Like, so we <laughs> Humanity. Do you think that when people hurt us, their suffering makes us feel better? Might on the surface, but... I don't I don't really think it does in the long run. Yeah. Especially if it's a relationship that means something to you, especially I think deep down you watching them suffer um really only makes you feel worse. What are the cultural factors that influence the way we view mercy or the way we experience mercy? Sort of on a broad at like at a broad cultural level, not necessarily in faith communities or not necessarily, but I guess I'm thinking of movies like movies that depict vengeance or movies where like the bad guy gets what's coming to him, you know, and we mm. find ourselves like, silently cheering at the end that the guy got killed or whatever, you know, and then we step back and think, wait a minute, that is not who I am or what, mm. what I'm about. I don't know. Do you think do you think media sort of shapes us and forms us more than we may realize in terms of how we perceive mercy? It shapes us mercy and other things, really. Absolutely. It constantly gives us a biased opinion, whether it's news, um, headlines about world things or things that don't really matter 
we're constantly trying to be given a biased opinion. I was thinking about um, the stories we hear where people show forgiveness. Like you either hear it on the news or you hear it in your community or you hear it. It seems to me that those stories are so stirring to people. Would you agree with that? The one that I call to mind is uh, one many of us are familiar with, with St. Pope John Paul II and the forgiveness he showed to um, the man who shot him. And I, I agree, it stirs us. Absolutely. Which makes me think that that is inherently inherently who we are. Mm-hmm. Right. Go, so going back to that question I initially asked you where I was using all those big words. <laughs> Tell <Right>, you. That one. <laughs> I think that... If we, even if we don't act that way, instinctually, we recognize when we see it. When we see it outside of us, we recognize it, and it stirs something in us that makes us go, "Wow, that's awesome! I want to be more like that." Yeah. Or I've said a hundred times, "I hope I could. I hope I could be so graceful if that ever happened to me." You know, whatever the situation is. Um. Last week, we talked about the corporal works of mercy because we were sort of talking about mercy as compassion. And today I want to talk about this, the spiritual works of mercy because they, they are a little bit more in line with, with the forgiveness element of mercy. So, um, so let's go through those again. There are seven. <laughs> and the first one is instruct the ignorant. And clearly this isn't referring to like people who don't know their state capitals, right? This is, this isn't necessarily about mm-hmm. academics. So who are the ignorant? Who do you think we're referring to when, in the spiritual mercy, works of mercy when we're talking about instructing the ignorant? I would say the ignorance of truth, the ignorance of the gospel, of fulfilling life, um, really ignorance of Christ. So how do we instruct those people? How do you personally, Kira and Talia, how do you personally instruct the ignorant or or have you had opportunities to do that? I mean, I think that when it comes down to the base of things, you have to show love to that person and you have to, in the midst of sharing your knowledge on that subject with them, you have to be a Christ-like figure to them to show them what that's all about. Uh, and the ignorance can be both closed-mindedness or just lack of knowledge, but also just not wanting to accept the truth. Really, they know it's there, and they d- they just don't want to accept that that is the truth. Right, because it's too hard. It means right. I have to change something that I sacrifice. Right. Yeah. yeah. I would say um, first preparing yourself um, to be able to help people to the best of your ability, and I think um, the bottom line of that is um, this whole work of mercy is evangelization, um, which is something that is difficult, but also we're given so many opportunities um, to really dive into this uh, work of mercy. Um, This is probably one that could possibly be most common for us to be able to accomplish the most. Right, because we will encounter people every day who are ignorant of Mm -hmm. God's truth, right? But we're not always in like <laughs> ideal situations. <laughs> right, we're sitting yes. down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think, Talia, your point of being Christ like to people, you know, when we don't have that golden opportunity to, hey, let's sit down for a couple hours and let me share the gospel <laughs> with you, you know, we can, 
we can show the gospel in small ways. Um, the second spiritual work of mercy is to counsel the doubtful. So spiritually speaking, what what do people doubt and why do we why do we doubt it? I think with people who are more into their faith, um, seeing doubting within um, an hour of spiritual dryness or something that has taken them away from the Lord, Mm -hmm. not in such a spiritual sense, but maybe, well, in a spiritual sense, just not in dryness, a death in the family or something that would really cause them to ask, you know, why? Why do awful things like this happen? Um, And I know that really um, watching that happen um, is definitely a pretty common thing within the doubt. That is the big one because that affects us so personally and we don't see God's plan when we lose someone we love. Uh, If you're just joining us, you're listening to Raising Saints on AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt. We're here today with Kira and Talia. We're talking about the fifth beatitude, blessed are those who are merciful. And we're specifically talking today about the spiritual works of mercy. So we're on number three, which is admonish sinners. This is such Mm, a fine line. Yeah. What's the difference between admonishing and judging? I think it's recognizing your own brokenness and showing that person uh, that you're, you're not on some higher level than them. You're right there with them. That, that was going to be my next question is how do we, <laughs> how do we admonish without elevating ourselves above, above others? How do we do that? Humility. A lot of humility. <sighs> and I know it's uh, easy for us to constantly get up, caught up in the fact of you thinking you're on a higher level um, than someone else, but definitely humility of humility over and over. <laughs> God is really good about humbling us too every single day, oh, isn't he? Does he do that to you? Don't like, even slaps in the face. <laughs> I'm just like, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> well, it's so hard, such a hard thing to desire. That's why I love how Kira mentioned the litany of humility because it's such a beautiful prayer. It says, "Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it." Mm-hmm. It's not, "Jesus, give me this because I don't even want this, but I want to want this. Mm-hmm. I want to want you." Right. Others may be holier than I, provided that I may be as holy as I should be. That's definitely applicable to this one, <laughs> especially um, when you're trying to reach out to others. And yeah, um, that's definitely a great one to pray. All right, let's move on to number four. Bear wrongs patiently. I think this one really gets to the root of mercy as forgiveness. Um, what's, the, what's the difference between bearing wrongs patiently and letting people walk all over you. <laughs> like, how do we find that balance? Or do we? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little bit, I think, of turning the other cheek type thing. Um, I think Mother Teresa is a really great example of this. I wish I could provide some textual <laughs> substantiation here, but uh, I, I don't know. It's You have confidence in what you are proclaiming or in in what you know but at the same time you're not in people's face about it really you're patient but if someone wrongs you how do you bear that patiently like is there a point at which you say for example in our house if someone says i'm sorry we don't say okay we say apology accepted because it's not okay 
like whatever you did that you have to be sorry for is not okay, but I accept your apology. I mean, that's a tiny example of, I think, bearing wrongs patiently. <laughs> there are way bigger examples, but I don't know. Do we, do we make that a distinction? Like, are we able to gracefully bear wrongs patiently, but, but not be suckers, I guess? I want to say yes, I do think that. However, I think it's, I don't want to say standing your ground, but standing up tall for who you are, but also not being prideful, but also not being letting people walk all over you. It's just a really fine line. I don't and know sometimes to... it depends on the person you're dealing with, That's too. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have to adjust in different situations. Yeah. Uh, okay, number five, forgive offenses willingly. This, to me, is a lot like bear wrongs patiently, yes, right? I um, but I think actually goes one step further, because not only do we have to bear wrongs patiently, then we have to take the next step and forgive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's an act of humility in itself, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bearing wrongs patiently can sort of be, okay gonna forget about it i'm not gonna say anything not gonna make a scene you know Mm -hmm. forgiving offenses willingly is that and i'm gonna take the next step and forgive you um i I like that you make that point i think it's because you you have that you bring that up again it's it's easy to just to just let it pass by uh, not do anything about it passively just forget about it you know but when you take that step, you take that initiative to reconcile the relationship and to forgive that person, then that's what's really ultimately important. All right, number six, comfort the afflicted. Um, and I don't, this probably doesn't refer to physical ailment necessarily because uh, that we cover in the, the corporal works of mercy, right? Comfort the sick or visit the sick. Um, so what affliction do you think we might be talking about here? For us to comfort the afflicted, what what afflictions are we talking about? I would just say the wounds that we experience, whether it just be uh, loss, sadness, uh, maybe even diseases that people encounter, you know, depression, anxiety, um, other physical disorders. Um, uh, I think this one connects with the other works of mercy in the way that you need a lot of compassion and empathy in order to really carry out this work of mercy correctly. I was thinking also um, people who are sorrowful or despairing or without hope. Like, I think that's the greatest affliction. Like, I I can be suffering physical affliction, but if I don't have spiritual affliction... I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. I know I am, you know, at some point, if not today. Um, But when people don't have hope, then everything is affliction. Yeah. I would say. Sometimes you can live for the wrong things and you just need to adjust that path. But when you don't have hope, when you're not living for anything, that's when the despair sets in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So guess what? We get to comfort the afflicted, (laughs) (laughs) which can be daunting. I mean, that's like, that can be like starting from square one. Especially you know? when you feel that affliction yourself at times. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. But that's also a great gift that she brings up because that really gives you a chance to be able to put yourself in their shoes 
and help them and give them ways that you've mm. uh, gotten out of that situation or worked through that situation yeah. with the Lord. Yeah, using that in our in our evangelization efforts and our. Mm. Um, and then number seven is pray for the living and the dead. And I think the good news of this is that it's kind of easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's just a matter of remembering, remembering it as <laughs> to yeah, do it. Yeah. 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 So, um, are, are we, so are we always able to do these on our own? Like, are these easy? Do you, do you find the, the spiritual works of mercy easy to do? Not always. However, I think we're given a lot of opportunities to do them, which facilitate it to make it easier for us. However, I think we do have to swallow our pride a lot yeah. and really hone in on humility in order to do them. That's a good point. It's not that these opportunities not that we can't find these opportunities to practice these spiritual works of mercy. It's that we have to humble ourselves and be willing to do it. Yeah. Um, and to remember that only God's mercy, you know, the ultimate mercy, the mercy that combines compassion and forgiveness and everything else can give us the strength we need to live these spiritual works of mercy. So, so there we are. Wrapping up the fifth beatitude next week, moving on to the sixth. We're not going to tell you what it is. It's going to be a surprise. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to thank Talia and Kira for joining us again this week. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us. And I want to conclude with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. Lord, we are in awe of your abundant mercy. We are so grateful for the promises you made us in the Beatitudes. We are so grateful for the reminder that if we show mercy, mercy will be shown to us. And we just ask that you give us strength to live this out every day, Lord, that you give us strength and grace to encounter people with mercy and to greet people with mercy. And we ask this in your name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Raising Saints on AM 820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt. We will see you next week for our discussion of the Sixth Beatitude. And until then, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bye now. Raising Saints is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM 820. Archives of Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt are available at stgabrielradio.com. Many support a woman's right to choose, but sadly, few know the consequences. Catholic Medical Association supports your right to know. Medical abortions, which are performed up to nine weeks of pregnancy with pills, are promoted as being safe and something the woman can do herself at home. However, a recent large study showed that women having a medical abortion have a 20% chance of significant complications, such as excessive bleeding, infection, and the need for surgery. To find out more, visit cathmed.org.